Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, December 5th. The federal government is under fire for an exclusive deal with Boeing to replace Canada's aging Aurora aircraft patrol fleet. We discuss the issue and Canada's defense shortcomings with Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. Have you rolled up your sleeve yet this year? Cold and flu season is here, but Albertans are falling behind the rest of the country on this critical vaccine coverage. We get some insight as to what might be behind the hesitation with Calgary-based pharmacist Jason Chan Remillard. And finally, if you are homeless, it can obviously be challenging to keep warm over the winter months in Calgary, and that just happens to be the main goal of the Mitten Project in support of Be the change YYC. We discuss the current need in the city and just how crucial a warm pair of gloves or mitts can be for those living outside this time of year with Chaz Smith, founder and CEO of Be The Change YYC. Government and Boeing have struck a deal to replace Canada's aging Aurora aircraft patrol fleet, but that deal is getting some harsh criticism. Joining us to talk about it is Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. Hi, Mercedes. Hey, how are you guys? Good, how are you? Great, thanks. I'm uh, speaking to you from a very snowy Ottawa. Oh, is it really? Cold and snowy? Oh, yeah. You know what's happening here in Calgary today, Mercedes? The golf courses are open. Uh, You see, now it's like talking to my mom who calls me every Chinook to be like, remember how you used to live in Calgary and now you live in Ottawa where what's cold is cold for like eight months? Right, right. Well, it's, I mean, Chinook, yes, but the the fact that a couple of golf courses are open is pretty awesome. But, sorry, I don't want to make you feel too bad about living out there. Uh, Let's start with uh, what you were chatting about on the West Block this past weekend and you spoke with Defence Minister Bill Blair. So why are, are some concerned about this contract with Boeing? So there's a couple of reasons. Um, I, I should start by saying that, you know, the Boeing jets were what a lot of folks expected to be the deal. Uh, a previous defense minister, Anita Anand, had kind of signaled this when she went down to Washington, D.C. It's also what a lot of our allies use, especially, and, and most importantly, frankly, for Canada, the Americans. Um, because everything we buy needs to be interoperable with them to some degree because we frankly can't defend the country on our own. Uh, so it's, it's important that they're able to, to communicate. So this was sort of, uh, in a way, the expected thing. The issue around it is that it was sole sourced. That means that they just went to the company and bought. Um, and this is something that the government had pretty much made like a career of criticizing the conservatives for doing during the war in Afghanistan. They sole sourced a lot of equipment because it was urgently needed. Um, and, you know, there was criticism there, too, because when you sole source, you often, you know, you don't get companies to compete. You don't get the cheapest deal. Um, so there was a little bit of hypocrisy there. Now, on the upside, they need the planes. The Air Force needs them, and it takes forever to procure anything in Canada. So to give you an example, the first plane is going to be received in 2026, but they're not going to be fully operational till 2033. So we're still talking about 10 years from now before these things are, are in the air as a full fleet. Um, so it, it, it does show hope in the sense that maybe the government uh, is starting procurement, starting to take it seriously. But it also says something about our system that the only way to procure something quickly is to just go to a company and get it. And of course, there's also criticism from within Canada, uh, from Bombardier in particular. Bombardier says that they have a jet they can build that would be able to compete. Uh, the government says it's a mind movie. It doesn't exist in reality yet in a way that is serious. Bombardier says, well, lots of other northern countries are buying this jet uh, and you didn't give a Canadian company an opportunity to compete. So that's where some of the controversy on this is coming from. Of course, with your conversation with Minister Blair, did you get any idea of what he sees as the biggest challenges facing the Canadian forces and how the shortcomings can be addressed? 
So he basically said a few things, and and he related it back to his time as police chief when they were struggling to recruit. Um, The number of people that they need and and the number that they are losing is a huge problem for the Canadian Armed Forces because, while we need equipment, if you don't have people to operate the equipment, you're in big trouble. And we were asking him about this in part because um, the head of the Navy, uh, Admiral Topshi, gave this video presentation that ended up on YouTube, and they put it there deliberately, it wasn't leaked out, that essentially outlined the dire state of the Canadian Navy saying they don't know if they're going to be able to fill their basic missions over the next few years. And that reflects what General Wayne Eyre, our Chief of the Defence Staff, our, our top soldier, told me on Remembrance Day that, that he was worried about Canada's state of readiness. And like the tone of his voice was he is really, really worried. And Wayne Eyre um, is one who's very plain spoken. He's not one for drama or exaggeration. Bill Blair acknowledged that there are serious problems, but he kind of deflected it into saying that they are taking it seriously. They're going to address this. The issue the government has is they're cutting a billion dollars out of defense. So they say that those cuts are being taken from areas like executive travel that won't affect operations, but they haven't committed to putting it back in somewhere else. And they've tried to say it's not a cut. Well, anytime you take money out of something and you don't put money back in somewhere else, that is by definition a cut. Um, but, you know, Bill Blair is is trying to figure out, he says, how to rearm the Canadian Armed Forces. There's supposed to be a defense policy update. I was told it was ready in June. Um, and the rumor in Ottawa is that it was kicked back because it recommended too much spending and the Prime Minister's office was uncomfortable with that. Bill Blair insists that this is forthcoming and that it is going to recommend significant spending and that he is talking about that right now. What I'm hearing from my sources is that it's less an issue with Bill Blair or previously Anita Anand than perhaps the Prime Minister's office and their willingness to spend on defence. But we'll only really find out what that is for sure when we see what this defence policy updates and the spring budget. There was nothing about the military in the fall economic update. And so far, we've only seen them taking money out as the government tightens its belt. All right, let's break this down because this is something that we have across our desk here. And on our desk, we've got the article that says, Stay or go? A new poll finds majority of Canadians want Trudeau to step down in the numbers. This Ipsos poll, released November 29th, found that most Canadians, 72% want Trudeau to step down as Liberal Party leader and Prime Minister. And that's up from 60% in September. So uh, seeing numbers like this, the pollsters doing their things, of course, you can take what you want from the polls. What are you hearing? Is this even a possibility? I mean, Justin Trudeau insists that it's not. He says he's staying on, and and so do those close to him. Um, I've spoken to some in Liberal caucus and Liberal circles who feel differently. They, They think that he has become the party's biggest liability. The problem is that even if that is true, and it depends who you ask, he's also in many ways the party's biggest advantage because he's the name, he's known. If you talk to most Canadians about who else could take over, they're not able to actually name someone. If you ask them who's Anita Anand, uh, who's Mark Carney, you know, the political junkies know, but the average Canadian doesn't. And mm-hmm. the Conservatives can tell you how difficult it is to win if people don't know who your leader is. Now, there's a lot of speculation that he's going to take the uh, so-called walk in the snow that his father did before the next election and decide to step down. At this point, everything they're indicating is that he won't. But I also have to tell you about politics. Look, um, they never indicate 
they're thinking about stepping down till they make the announcement. You're never stepping down till you are. Um, but I think that they are still trying to see if they can turn these polls around. But there's no question that the Justin Trudeau, you know, is in is in serious, serious trouble in the polls. It's not a blip at this point, right? It's been trending yeah. downward for months. And it's also not surprising. Canadians tend to get sick of leaders in governments after around eight to ten years. Yeah. I, I mean, is there a Hail Mary? Like you've got Polyev who's, you know, acts the tax is, is this big campaign slogan, right? So is there a Hail Mary coming from the Liberals to try and save Justin Trudeau? I'm sure that that's exactly the question that they're trying to figure out yeah. the answer to as we speak. Uh, they tried the cabinet shuffle. Um, they tried alleviating the carbon tax in um, Atlantic Canada, which blew up in their face totally. because the rest of Canada did not appreciate that very much. Um, and so I think the question is, you know, what do they have to do and will they be willing to do it? Um, and, and they're probably in a situation right now where they'd have to, much like they did with the carbon tax in Atlantic Canada, walk back a pretty significant position, which they like to uh, always present as being principled rather than political if they want to undo this frustration. But mm-hmm. it's tough once a leader starts to slide like this. Because, you know, people would say, why is it that there's scandal after scandal with Justin Trudeau and he gets away with it? Well, I remember scandal after scandal with Stephen Harper and him getting away with it, too. Canadians are sort of very forgiving until it starts to stick. Yeah. And it's always a cumulative effect, which is not to say they can't find a way out of this. But the message right now from Canadians is pretty clearly that what they're doing now is not enough to keep him in power. Interesting times ahead for sure, and we uh, like uh, catching up with you for your insight each and every Tuesday on the program. Thanks so much, Mercedes. Thanks for having me. Enjoy your warm weather. (laughs) We will. Thanks, Mercedes. Send a selfie on the golf course. Yes, for sure. Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of The West Block. Have you rolled up your sleeve yet to get your flu shot or your COVID vaccine this fall? If you haven't, apparently you're not alone. According to Alberta pharmacists, this province is falling behind on critical vaccine coverage. Joining us to talk about it is Jason Chan Remillard, Calgary-based pharmacist with PharmaSave. Good morning to you, Jason. Thanks for being with us. No worries. Good morning. Uh, can you break down some numbers for us? How many have gotten these updated vaccines so far, so far, so far for this fall flu season? So, so far, we're looking at um, flu vaccinations being just over 20% and COVID at a shocking 14%. But the biggest kind of number that is concerning is the over 65 group that we're just at around 50%. We generally aim for around an 80% for this group. So at at around 53%, we're, we're still falling short of those numbers. Okay, the uptake not there, but let's talk about the the flu season. And to begin with, Jason, uh, what type of a season are we seeing here in the city of Calgary, Alberta, or even in in Canada? Well, so far, uh, I I think the numbers um, haven't haven't really been as high as what uh, what we'd expect. But at the same time, we're looking at trying to prevent these things as opposed to allowing them to happen. So, you know, coming into the Christmas season where... We've got a lot of gatherings and, and getting together. That's when we can potentially see some more spikes in the numbers. And getting your shot now, earlier on, so we, there's still time, but it takes about two weeks for immunity to happen. So I think the, the key takeaway would be to, to get your shots as soon as possible. Um, I, I'm just really excited about the vaccinations that we have out there. And I think looking overall at adult vaccinations, there's more than just the COVID and, and flu shots. There's also a new RSV shot, which is, you know, if someone over 65 gets RSV, COVID, and flu, it could be quite det- detrimental to them. And, and I think we're going to start to see a lot more of these. And the vaccines that are coming out, are I'm really excited about them. I think they're really good. 
Jason, how can uh, pharmacists contribute to increasing vaccine accessibility, whether you're in the city or you're in a rural area? Well, I know right now at my pharmacy, we've turned our vaccination to be just more on a walk-in basis. I think the appointment booking system that we experienced a couple of years ago with the COVID where it was really confusing and you were number 30,000 on hold, those kind of situations are, are gone. And it's so easy to just walk into a pharmacy and, and get a shot. There's the choices of getting either the Pfizer and Moderna. We have the high-dose flu. There's the regular flu. I think most pharmacies are carrying all the shots, and it shouldn't be a barrier in terms of getting the shot at this point. Speaking with Calgary-based pharmacist uh, Jason Chan Remillard, and uh, so Jason, so we we've discussed, you know, what sort of a season we have. We've discussed how it's easy these days to get your vaccination. So, what factors do you believe are contributing to this low vaccination rate that we're seeing? I think some of it is just a misunderstanding or, uh, of what the vaccines are. For example, with the COVID shot, this new one that we have is no longer a booster. We're not calling it a booster. The booster is based on that initial strain, and that's all gone. This is a brand new one, kind of like the flu shot each year. We don't call that a booster each year. It's just a brand new shot, a new formulation. And so of the shots, I think this is an important one to get because we are protecting against the newer variants. And so it kind of reset the, the vaccinations. Um, RSV carries a, a big risk with with it as well. So if someone gets RSV, you have about a 10 to 30% chance of ending up in the ICU. And of that group, one in nine of those die. So I think people just don't understand the risks of getting these diseases and the benefit of getting the shots and how effective these vaccines are. I believe there's a pneumonia shot for older folks too. Why do you think it is? Like seniors are usually the ones that are on the ball with this and, and getting those vaccines, you know, pretty quickly and making sure that they're covered. Why do you think there's a little bit of a, a hesitancy there this time? I think there's just sort of vaccination fatigue yeah. and there is some confusion. There is so many vaccines out there. And so pharmacy, we've, we've got kind of an adult vaccination drive where when people come in, we look at their whole vaccination status. So whether you're looking at a shingle shot, which is also an important one, the pneumonia shots, we look at your tetanus to see when that is updated. Quite often people come in and ask when was their last tetanus shot? And they're like, oh, maybe two or three years ago. And we look and it was in 2008. So I think we just kind of, time goes by and, and these things don't stick in our mind. So we're kind of trying to get people to look at their whole vaccination status aside from just flu and COVID and try to update them to protect them as much as we can. In the height of COVID, we found out about the well, healthcare system, the burdens that can be placed on the healthcare system and when too much burden is placed, the effect that it can have. Could a season like this, you know, between the flu and, and uh, COVID and uh, the different uh, you know, viruses out there, uh, could that be a case that we could see another burden on the healthcare system if we don't get all vaccinated up? Oh, for sure. And, and given, you know, if we get a combination of things, if you get, you know, the pneumonias from, from different different uh, um, diseases and that. The, the one thing with, with in Alberta currently, uh, people don't know that the combination of, of flu and pneumonia is the ninth leading cause of death in our province. So it's that like that. And you look that we have something that, that can prevent them. So pneumonia shots and flu shots right there, we could reduce that, that uh, death rate from, from these diseases. And, and so I think people just don't understand the risk that some of these diseases carry. And not just maybe for them, so they might be maybe protecting themselves, but you also get the vaccines to protect other vulnerable people who maybe can't get the vaccine or didn't get the vaccine, or like, you know, protecting, for example, a newborn child against RSV. If an adult over 60 gets the RSV shot and can prevent getting RSV, they might prevent spreading that on to an under one-year-old who can't get the vaccine or isn't the vaccine for and could have negative consequences for that child. Jason, can we just walk into any pharmacy and ask for our shots? Jason, do we have you there? Yeah. Oh, can we just walk into any pharmacy and ask for a shot? 
Yeah, for sure. You can work in any pharmacy. A lot of them aren't appointment-based. I mean, just call ahead to make sure. And the other thing I always tell people is sometimes we have some of your records on Alberta NetCare in terms of your vaccination status, but if there's other pieces that maybe you got a vaccine in another province or that, any records you could bring with you with your vaccination status would be good, and we can look at the whole picture and come up with a plan to get you the vaccinations that, that we need. We can often do multiple in one sitting, so most people are getting the flu and the COVID shot at the same time, and it's totally safe to do that. And we can look and see how many we can get or set up appointments and timing to get you all the vaccines that would be recommended. Jason, thanks so much for your time this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. It's Jason Chan Remillard, a Calgary-based pharmacist. And it is that time of year again. The third annual Mitten Project is back in partnership with Be The Change YYC. The Mitten Project will try to help keep some of Calgary's most vulnerable warm this winter. Joining us to talk about the need and the impact is our friend Chaz Smith, who is founder and CEO of Be The Change YYC. Hi, Chaz. Good morning, Sue. How are you? Excellent. Thanks for being uh, with us live in studio. Of course. My pleasure. Uh, tell us a little bit about Be The Change. Tell us about the organization and why you started it. Yeah, so be the Change uh, started as a grassroots initiative. This August will be our ninth year actually running. Oh, wow. um, so it was in my house for about five years. Glad it moved out because I can't fit the stuff in my mm-hmm. house anymore. Uh, so uh, we're a street outreach team. We walk the streets providing food, water, clothing, hygiene, harm reduction supplies. And uh, most of our team leads are nurses or paramedics. So a lot of folks experiencing homelessness have infections, sadly, uh, winter amputations. And uh, so our team are changing dressings, uh, treating like cleaning out mild infections, um, things like that. Our goal is to offer program referrals to housing, detox, mental health supports to help people end the cycle of homelessness. Homelessness, and uh, we're a volunteer-driven organization, which is quite unique for uh, an organization like ourselves. Yeah. I want to bring it before we get into the Midden Project and the difference that our listeners can make here on QR Calgary for the third year. I want to ask you a lot of the time when you have somebody who starts an organization, Chaz, such as Be the Change YYC, that people know and you've had a lot of uh, you know success with. They talk the talk, but you walk the talk. So for those people who might not be familiar with Be the Change YYC. Your personal experience with yeah. homelessness, can you share that with us? Yeah, so I experienced homelessness in 05 to 08, and I uh, was a recipient of a Housing First project through what's called Trellis today. It's the Infinity Project. And um, so uh, once I received housing in 08, uh, I was given supports to maintain myself in housing. Uh, and I went back to school, took my first year carpentry, which is a random fact because I don't enjoy don't carpentry. Carpet. <laughs> no, okay. no, it's not my thing anymore. But then I worked in the sector uh, at the Calgary Homeless Foundation, helping with the 10-year plan to end youth homelessness specifically, and uh, working in uh, the uh, the sector. Uh, yeah. 2015, I saw a growing need. I saw that there wasn't anyone uh, equitably meeting folks on the streets right where they were at. And so I simply started uh, with a group of friends and we made it a regular day of the week. Every single Wednesday, we hit the streets, handed out food, water and resource guides. Uh, and that was almost nine years ago. So we just started somewhere very simple. And uh, last year, to give you an example, we served over 17,000 individual contacts. 
impacts. And, and you know, you are influential in this city because you, you speak to the mayor, you speak to council, you speak to other organizations. You have a voice here and you're using it for good to try and, and help with homelessness, the issue overall, but for the folks who are living rough out there. So let's talk about that. I mean, frostbite is a big deal. That's why you have your medical team that is, you know, part of Be The Change YYC. These people are living out on the street all year round. And while right now it might not be as cold as it potentially could be, we know that cold weather is coming. So how important is it to have the medical people with you? Because frostbite, unless you've had it, you don't really get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we know that 50% of frostbite admissions that end up in hospital, uh, that end up with an amputation, are actually folks experiencing homelessness. And it is a very sad reality, especially the current state of of, uh, the housing crisis we're experiencing across all of Canada and in our city. Um, So we're seeing a growing amount of folks, uh, people that have never been homeless now Mm. on the streets uh, just because uh, they can't pay their rent. Uh, it's it's very sad and, and to see that the, this number is growing. And when it comes to frostbite, we have little frostbite kits right now that if you go to our uh, social medias at Be The Change YYC, uh, a few of our nurses actually explain what's in a frostbite kit, uh, how we're able to slow it down, how we're treating it, and um, how we're preventing it from getting worse ultimately. Uh, and then sadly, uh, some folks, uh, it's uh, gone too far and, and, and they definitely will need a hospital mm-hmm. to to do that treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, programs Sad. like this um, are, you know, the hope that get that gives people another day, another moment. Um, but it's so important to know that not having housing and experiencing homelessness on the streets in winter, like that could be a death sentence. And indeed, we have folks that are dying every year on the streets of Calgary. It is not a climate that is uh, welcoming to you in winter. It, you know, minus 40, you you will freeze. So, well, you know, ideally, I guess to a certain extent, Chaz, it'd be great to have a pair of keys to hand out to everybody who yeah. is without a home. Yeah. And that is the goal. But before yeah. you get there, the and I think sometimes when we have, we think, what can a little thing like mittens mm. or gloves, what kind of a difference can they make? And I don't think we can underscore that enough because yeah. we don't have the keys at this point. Yeah. But we want to keep these people safe, as safe as we can. Absolutely. And I think we all have been part of the conversation of trying to get people keys. And that's something that's going to be hopefully happening very in in the next few years on a scale that we haven't seen before with housing. But in the meantime, last year, we gave out 3,538 pairs of winter gloves to folks in need. And this this partnership with QR Calgary, uh, uh, Sue, you started this project. This is your third annual uh, mitten project that you started because you wanted to help these folks on the streets and a large portion of those gloves are because donations were brought here and so uh, I I just want to say thank you so much Sue and I'm curious for you uh, what what inspired you to want to start this uh, mitten project that we're in the third annual year of? To be truthful, you. You and I became friends. I saw your passion. I saw what you were doing. And, you know, the fact that you guys go out and walk around in the middle of the night to make sure that people are safe out there. I can't imagine. I'm a mom. Andy's a dad. I mean, you know, we've taken this on as a team, Andy and I, and, and and we have hopefully, you know, can create it right through the entire radio station and all of the city and beyond because there are people out there that are just like you and me and Andy and everyone else and you never know you never know and as a parent 
I don't ever want to see my kids having to live like that. And if I can give you a pair of mittens and that makes things yeah. just a little bit better, then hell yeah. Yeah. And, and we're coming across folks too that uh, that's an opportunity. They're cold. Uh, we're, we're saving them from some frostbite with giving a pair of gloves. Mm -hmm. But then the conversation too with our outreach workers, uh, the impact that you, uh, Andy and Sue are making uh, through that means that, you know, 22% of the folks we interacted with of the 17,000 interactions, 22% received a referral to housing detox mental awesome. health supports well that starts with meeting a person where they're at with food water clothing providing those essentials of life they need in the moment and then continuing the conversation like hey how how can i help you is there anything else you're looking for do you have a housing plan are you on the housing list and we just go from there well, and you say, uh, you know, mornings with Sue and Andy and QR Calgary, but it's really the listeners who, yeah. who made yeah. that difference. So let's make sure everybody has the details because you're going to be out and about. Maybe you have that spare pair that you've never used mm -hmm. or you're going to be shopping anyway. You can throw an extra pair or two in your cart. Maybe buy an extra pair of mittens or gloves as a Christmas present this year Here, yeah. and you're donating them, right? Yeah, absolutely. We make it as easy as we can. 3320 17th Avenue Southwest, Chorus Headquarters. We're right across the street on 17th Avenue from Legendary Spiro's Restaurant. Mm -hmm. The main entrance way you go in, we're going to have the bin and the sign Yep, that you can pull up right in front and run in. There's a little parking area. It's free. <laughs> Park your car. Get out. Throw the mittens in the box. Get back in your car and go. It'll take you 30 seconds, and it will make a world of difference. Yeah. Be the change. YYC.org. And again, our address, 3320 17th Avenue Southwest. Business hours Starting Monday today. to Friday. Yeah. yeah. 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. I want to get as many, uh, just over 3,300 last year. We can do better than that, I think. The Mitten Project is underway, friends, so help us out. Thanks, Chaz, for coming in. Thank you so much. Chaz Smith, founder, CEO of Be The Change YYC.